Today's passage is Luke 15, 11 through 24. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless lemming. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed, to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is God's word. You are blessed. The hand of God's blessing is upon us today. Let's bow for prayer. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you for your abiding presence with us. Your love, your hope is here. And according to Psalm 19:14, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We open our hearts before you and ask that you would reveal to us that which you so desire to take place in our lives and perhaps even the face or a name of someone whom you loved and put us into contact with. Perhaps someone that we haven't thought about for a while or maybe we see every day. Impress them upon our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It happened in 1996 on a morning I'll never forget. I was putting the finishing touches on my radio broadcast manuscript. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was my father. Dan, he said, Mom had a heart attack. I fell to my knees. You've got to understand, I'm the youngest of four children. My parents had it all planned out. Every two years, they, they had a child. And then eight years later, I arrived. <laughs> the surprise child. And I was the baby. And my mom was not, a, was not afraid to, to let that be known. My, my siblings would complain, Mom, he, 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 Danny doesn't do any 
any chores in the house? Why do you buy so much ice cream, mom? Why is the freezer always packed with ice cream? Mom says, well, he doesn't like milk. He needs to get his calcium somehow. I was her baby. You know, you need to understand my mom also had health ailments, all kinds of ailments throughout her life, and she had just returned from a failed kidney transplant. And I got the call. I, I got up. I got Jamie. I told Jamie, my wife, what had happened. We picked up Allie. Allie had just turned one, our oldest daughter. We rushed to the emergency. Jamie dropped me off. I ran through the emergency doors. And as I turned the corner... A friend of mine from church, who was a fire captain, met me by the door with tears in his eyes, and he said, Danny, your mom went home. Now, I understood what home meant in that moment. We embraced. I rushed through another set of doors, and I saw my father. I said, Daddy, where's mommy? Where's mommy? I hugged him. He pointed to a door where her body was, and I, I rushed through that door. And as I stepped in, I noticed there my mother was, all alone, quiet. I cradled her head, and I kissed her. And I said, oh, mommy, mommy. I love you, Mommy. I love you. And for a moment there, I forgot that I was in a hospital. And I began to pray. Oh, God. Lord, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving Mommy. Thank you for, I know she's with you now. And one day, one day, I know I'm going to see her again. And at that moment, my life narrowed to a single point. See, we don't always get these moments. Uh, we live such uh, distracted lives, don't we? bothered and worried about so many things, but in that moment, nothing else mattered but that my mother had a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I have an objection, ob objective today. And my goal is for us to listen and listen closely to Jesus and to hear what Jesus said in answer to this question. Why, Jesus? Why did you come? It seems that today, in 2022, that Christians 
seems, seem to have become confused of who we are and what we ought to be doing. Part of my prayer is that as we go along and as we listen to Jesus, that the spirit of Christ will move in your hearts in such a way as to grant you a level of clarity in relation to who the Lord may have you share the love of Christ with. I'm going to come back to that and then at the end of our time together in just a few moments, really, I'm going to ask you to respond to how the Lord may be speaking to you, who he may have put on your heart. Now, I'm not asking you to tell me why you think Jesus came. Nor do I want you to be interested in why I think Jesus came. We can have all kinds of thoughts and theories and concepts to describe. Some of them can sound really convincing. But why not ask the Lord himself? It's as though I can hear the Lord saying to me, Danny, I've been waiting for you to ask that question for a long time. I've been waiting for my church to, to ask me that question for a long time. It's no secret. And the Lord says, go to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It's a story of Zacchaeus, uh, Dr. Luke, the physician, describes. But at the end of that, and we're not going to go into any deep exposition of that passage, but at the end, Jesus says this. He says, speaking of himself, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. In other words, I came, Jesus said, to seek and to save the lost. Now we can dramatize and say, oh, the Lord's voice echoes to the corridors of history. I came, came, came to seek, seek, seek the lost, lost. But Jesus says, hey, just tell it straight. I came to seek and save the lost. And, and, so, and so we would naturally ask, well, Lord, what does it mean? to seek and save the lost. Who are the lost, Lord? And Jesus says, that's not a secret either. Go to Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. I quote, I went into the synagogue in Nazareth, and I opened up the scrolls, Isaiah 61, and I read in the hearing of those present that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, lonely, brokenhearted, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. They are, are the, lo the lost. 
So we say, Lord, thank you for sharing that with us. But may I ask one more question, Jesus? The Lord leans in. Come on. What is it? Jesus, what do you mean when you say you came to seek? What does seek mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. I explain the many folds and the intricate movements of my heart. And I reveal them to you in Luke chapter 15. So we turn there to this passage that Pastor Travis read. But what he read was actually the culminating moment. There are two stories before that that Jesus tells. And the reason it's so dynamic in the way that Jesus told it is because in the Hebrew tradition, when you want to emphasize something, you would say it again and again, but in different ways. So there is a sophisticated way in which Jesus delivers the message. It's given in staccato fashion, bang, 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 but it's like a crescendo. And the crescendo says, I love the lost, so I seek them. I really love the lost, and so I seek them. I really, really love the lost, so I seek them. He talks about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and one is lost, 96, 97, 98, 99. In chapter 8, or verse 8, we read that the shepherd, as Jesus tells the story, leaves the 99 out in open pasture or the open country to go find the one which is lost. And don't miss this now. Jesus says, until he finds it. In other words, this shepherd has an irrational mind. It doesn't make sense. Who in his or her right mind would leave the 99 out to go find one which is lost? And who would have such determination to say to himself or herself, I will not come back until I find it. It's as though he says, dead or alive, I will not come back until I have found that sheep. An irrational determination. Now, mind you, who is the Lord revealing? The Lord in this story is actually unveiling to us his heart. What kind of heart do you have, Lord? I have an irrational heart that is determined to seek the lost. But he goes on. He tells a story of a woman who is, has lost one of her coins. 
I find this always a bit humorous because it is a woman that Jesus talks about. How Jesus, though he doesn't say it, but we know that the Lord knows the human heart and here's this woman, I just can envision her turning her house upside down, pulling out every cushion, opening up every cupboard, looking through the the, the saucers, the cups, the forks, and the knives, and pulling out all the sheets, she has lost her mind. She does not care. This is what we call a, a shameless persistence that this mother displays to find that coin. Now, in that first story, when the shepherd comes home, by the way, he doesn't let the sheep walk home. He carries the sheep home. He comes home rejoicing because why? I have found my sheep, which was lost. When the woman finds her coin, having turned her, her, her home or her house upside down, as it were, she says, I have found my coin, which is lost. Some would say, well, Luke is a, a gospel of joy. There's a joyousness. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Then we come to the story that we read and heard earlier. I love this story because it reveals the heart of the Lord. The boy has no regard for his father. He is cocky, he is selfish, and in today's vernacular, he would have said something like this, hey, pops, pops, give me what's mine. There is a way that the scripture could be read of the way the father who is so docile in this encounter. A reading could be he divided himself. All that he had, he gave to this one son his portion. And what does the son do? He squanders it with wild living, we read. To the point where he is, and think about it from a Jewish perspective, he is not only feeding the pigs, he is craving the slop that the pigs eat. Talk about degrading. But he is so degraded, he doesn't know how degraded he is until he realizes that even his father's servants eat better than him. So he resolves to go back to his father and offer himself back to his father as a slave. Maybe my father will take me back. There's a key phrase. He comes to, or he came to his senses. But watch this. While he was a long way off, walking back to his father, his father sees him. It's as though the father sees the dust cloud lifting up into the sky 
and he sees a, 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 a figure, some figure on his way toward him. Now, I have a question. Why did the father see the son? Or better, how did the father know that the boy would come home on that day? Is there some suggestion in the way that Jesus tells the story that the father, in love for his son, was out there waiting for him every day? And as he waited, would the father have been praying? Perhaps, Lord, bring my boy back. Lord, open up his mind. Lord, open up his heart. Lord, speak to him. I'm helpless. I don't know what else I can do. Move in this dear son of mine. And could it be an answer to prayer? There came that day where he came to his senses. But notice the father. What he does not do is he does not say in the King James servanteth of mineth cometh unto me. Go there thoueth to my soneth. Tell him to falleth down on his kneeth and groveleth unto me in penance. No, no. The father cannot hold himself. He runs to the boy. Now imagine the broken heart of the father. Imagine how used he felt. Imagine the love of the father. He embraces his son. My son, my son, you're home. You were lost, but now you're found. Jesus says to us today, he says, that's my heart. That's my heart. I ask you today, for those who say they're followers of Christ, ought we not to yearn for the same heart that our Lord Jesus has? Is that not the design of discipleship, that we be like Christ and love like Christ? Notice how imperfect the picture is that Jesus gives in how unconditional love must see through the disjointedness of people, the quirks, the, the weaknesses, the, the shamefulness of people. Someone says, if you want to reach people with the love of Christ, you have to sit in the smoking section. Someone says, well, if I bring if I invite my friends to church, they smoke. What will I do? I heard one professor say, well, put out ashtrays. Would Jesus do that? As I'm speaking, 
Do you see a face of a friend or a family member that the Lord is impressing upon you? If you do, perhaps the Lord is allowing you to see someone to focus your attention toward and your actions. What do we do when the Lord Jesus reveals his heart to us? Well, one reminder is that time is short. The people of Ukraine may have known that there were rumblings for weeks and months, even years, but when you start hearing the bombs land and explosions, you start reading about people dying or injured, reality changes in a moment. Psalm 144.4, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. James 4, you do not even know what tomorrow may bring. Your life is like a vapor. Charles Hanson Town, a poetry professor at Columbia University, wrote the poem titled, Around the Corner. Around the corner I have a friend in this great city that has no end. Yet days go by and and weeks rush on. And before I know it, a year is gone. And I never see my old friend's face, for life is a swift and terrible race. He knows I like him just as well as in the day when I rang his bell and he rang mine. We were younger then, but now we are busy, tired men. Tired of trying to make a name. Tired of playing that foolish game. Tomorrow, I say, I'll call on Jim just to let him know I'm thinking of him. But tomorrow comes and tomorrow goes, and the distance between us grows and grows. Around the corner. A telegram, sir. Jim died today. And that's what we get and deserve in the end. Around the corner, a vanished friend. Who is it, dear one, that the Lord is impressing upon your heart? You say, Danny, I am overwhelmed. There are so many, so, so many. Where do I start? Nobel Prize winner, Mother Teresa. Serve the poor of the poor in Calcutta, India. She says, I never think about the masses. 
I only think of the individual. I can only love one person at a time. Just one, one, one. So you begin. I began. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I would not have picked up 42,000. The same goes with you. The same in your family. The same in your church, in your community. Just begin. One, one, one. Who is that one? Let's bow our heads for a time of prayer. I did say that I was going to ask you to respond. And this is something you do in your seat. It's between us, you and me. Before I pray, I do want to ask, has the Lord spoken to you? And do you see someone that he would have you put your focus on? And if that is you, then I ask that you just look up at me as a way of just connecting eyes, and then I'll say a prayer for God's grace and his fresh anointing. Just go ahead and look up at me as a sign that you have seen someone. Yes. 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 Good. Good. I see you. Yes. I'm on this side. Yeah, I see you. Good. Yes. I see you back there. Yes. On this side. Amen. And on this side here. Very well, very well, very well. Oh, Lord our God. Oh, Spirit of the living God, you who move in our hearts in supernatural ways to reveal to us, now I pray that you would descend upon us with the fresh grace of your anointing with the clarity and boldness that is new and fresh right here at Westgate Church. You have revealed your heart to us today about irrational determination, shameless persistence, and the unconditional love of God. This week, Lord, as the Life on Mission Conference commences, and as preparations made for the time with Rebecca McLaughlin, may these dear friends, even those online, begin to harness what you have placed on their heart and receive the teaching in relation to how it may be applied to these dear ones you have so revealed this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.